Hi, welcome to another episode of Chapter Chat Online Book Club. My name is Carrie Ebert, and I will be joined here shortly by my good friend Mike from Grow Now Therapy. Uh, every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, Mike and I hop on Instagram and we do this live book club and it is recorded and then we share it on the podcast as well. Tonight we have um, another uh, a special guest. Uh, it will be the author of the book that we are reading. So I think Linda should be joining us here in just a second. There's Linda. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? Good. Are you tired? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, We got to talk about that. Let me see if Mike's on here yet. Okay. He should be. Oh, there he is. All right. Let's get Mike on here. Excellent. Let's see. I think he's coming. We there did he it. is. How Lin are you? Linda beat me to it. <laughs> I she, know. She was here before you. Yes, oh, we were man. just getting ready to talk about uh, the Chiefs. I mean, I uh, I uh, had, a, had a late night last night. Um, I really spent all my energy uh, cheering for the Chiefs. So I don't know if any of you are football fans or not, but uh, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, about 20 minutes from where the Chiefs play. And whew, yesterday was quite a day. That was that was one of the best weekends period of oh. football. Uh, it just it, it, was it was unbelievable. Crazy. And, it and was. if you remember during the season when the Chiefs were not playing so good, uh -huh. I was like, hey, trust, <laughs> trust me, the Chiefs are going to be fine. Yeah, and that yeah. I, I'm telling you that Pat Mahomes oh, is he, he is he is there's never been a quarterback like him ever. Yeah, it's is pretty so, exciting. He is on, he is, he's, he, he may go down as the best of all time. Yeah. He's, he's, he's working on it. He's, he's working unbelievable. on it. But I'll tell you, Josh Allen gave us a run for our money. So, Josh uh, Allen, Josh <laughs> Allen is, is, is number two right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that game right there is, there's not going to, the Super Bowl will not be as good as that. Game. Well, that was, I mean, like the Super Bowl. And I will tell you here in Kansas city, after we won, you would have thought it was the 4th of July, the amount of fireworks yeah. going off here in our neighborhood and just in the entire city. I mean, it's surreal so we live and we die uh by our royals and our chiefs so anyways um so we have to do it again next weekend so you know, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. i was gonna say i don't watch football too much i'm sorry but i did watch last night for you carrie nice nice you picked well, the, i saw the important part yeah you picked, well, the, last, you picked yeah, the right yeah, game yeah, yeah. last two that, minutes and then overtime was just i don't even know i've never seen so many points scored in like under you know two minutes i don't know it was wild someone 13 just seconds said, 13 yeah, someone seconds. just said uh, they, they're a Buffalo fan and they're still sick over it. And I, Paul, I mean, I feel bad because, I mean, we don't need to get into it. This is a podcast about, like, speechy stuff. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the overtime, you know, has its issues. And had it gone the other way, uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans would be complaining about the overtime rules. So um, it is what it is right now, but we're just going to give it our best and – and see how we do. So next right. Monday, we That's play the right. early game, so it'll be fun. So let's talk about our book. And in case you are new to Chapter Chat, we are actually finishing up our book. This is called uh, Declarative Language Handbook, and we are so blessed and honored to have the author, uh, Linda Murphy. She has been joining us for almost every episode uh, of chatting about this book. So we have really enjoyed uh, having you, Linda. So thank you for, for joining us once again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I look forward to Mondays now in a different way. In a That's different right. way. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, Mike came up with the whole, you know, usually we say TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. And Mike is like, TGIM. Thank goodness it is That's Monday. Right. So mm -hmm. um, in case some of you have to jump off early before we get to the end, next week we will be starting Linda's second book. So it is called The Co-Regulation Handbook. And I just, we, Mike and I talked, we just feel like we might as well just do it. You know, we're might finishing well. up this book. And if you've been uh, either following along with the lives or listening on the podcast, you'll know that uh, Mike has been talking about declarative language ever since, you know, we started the book club, but oh, this yeah. was my first time learning about it. And now I'm obsessed. I can't stop talking about this book. It goes with me to all of my consultations in the school districts and uh, it is powerful stuff. So if you're just joining for the first time, trust me, you want to buy the 
declarative language handbook on Amazon and you want to read it cover to cover and your life will be changed. So <laughs> we are going to finish this up. We are uh, on chapter 13 and it's kind of like chapter 13 kind of then 14 is I'm going to have you tell us Linda a little bit about the pilot project and then 15 is just sort of a summary a wrap up so um, I really appreciated uh, a chapter 13 what did you think Mike about how she kind of um, talked about tracking progress and and how to recognize that progress well throughout the, this entire chapter is about that just progress and that's mm -hmm. the reason you know, the whole reason we start using declarative language, the whole reason that we work on executive functioning, all of these things, speech, language, OTPT, it's all about progress. Uh -huh. And there's an overarching theme. If you look at some of the language that Linda uses in this chapter, you see a lot of the term fading back, fading uh -huh. back. So you see <laughs> fading back all throughout this chapter. And I love when I hear about fading back because that's what declarative language is all about. So parents can fade back. And I talk about the executive functioning goals that I use for my students. Every single one of them are written as with fading prompts towards independence. Uh, the, whole point of, the whole point of creating a goal is so that a student starts to do things on their own without the adult giving them prompts or scaffolds. Everything is about independence, no matter what the therapy is, what the goal is. It's all about adults with fully formed brains backing up and the child now having new neural pathways, new skills, and being able to be independent. So in this chapter about progress, you're going to see a constant theme about adults fading back and kids stepping up. Yep. And isn't that really neat? When you think about really the whole purpose of scaffolding and prompting and cueing our kids is so that they can take over the role of executive function, right? They don't yep. have it when they're very young. So we provide that kind of scaffold, that framework and declarative language is just such a beautiful fit into this whole model of what we wanna do is make the child uh, more aware of their environment, right? Visually reference their environment so that they can learn um, uh, uh, and they can problem solve. And, and Linda goes through this chapter and I kind of numbered him. Um, I think I got up to five and then maybe I lost, I, I stopped uh, numbering bring them with my pen, but of all of the different uh, uh, kind of smaller moments, you know, smaller goals that are going to be achieved when you consistently start using declarative language. I think my favorite thing, Linda, and then we'll let you jump in and tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about this chapter, but I love, I mean, the first page, I don't know what it is about the first page of every one of your chapters, but I like go nuts. And I'm always like, <laughs> why is it that the first, it's like you do such an amazing job of, of reeling us in on the first page. I love it. Second sentence, the biggest change will be in the communication landscape Overall, it will transition from one that has perhaps been negative or consisted of power struggles, which we know sends the child into fight, flight, or freeze mode, to one that is positive, supportive, and understanding. You as the adult may actually feel that you're more patient with your child, right? You understand a bit more about what causes, what the triggers are that send your child into fight or flight. And I love how you say, and you become more flexible. So um, what do you want to tell us, Linda, uh, about uh, kind of summarizing this whole idea of how to recognize progress with our kids? Yeah. So part of what I did just in thinking about this chapter for tonight is I even went back to feedback that I've gotten from parents about what things have changed for them. Um, and the biggest takeaway for me is always how the relationship changes. And parents really start to notice that it, moments matter. Mm. And to slow down in the moments, to create memories, to create shared experiences, um, understanding that's where the learning happens and just embracing their child in the moment. I feel like that's the ground level for all that follows. And that's always the most important to me. And then I think you get at all those skills after that, that uh -huh. Mike was talking about. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I love that. The idea that, that that whole relationship and the interaction with the child kind of shifts from being, let's hurry up, let's go, I'm going to tell you what to do, you're not listening, and then we get mm -hmm. frustrated and the child gets frustrated. And so that whole idea of we're going to 
change our language from being imperative, right, or directive to being declarative and simply make an observation and invite the child to observe. And uh, I know I say this every week, but I love how you say, give the child space. And I think Mm -hmm. that whole idea of pausing, of waiting, of uh, providing uh, learning opportunities. And, and and what was the chapter, Linda? I think I can't remember what number it was, but it was the chapter on pacing, right? Where you mm-hmm. talked so much and, and, and tell our listeners in case some of them uh, weren't here for the pacing chapter, how long do we need to wait for some <laughs> of our kids? Well, it's a strategy for you getting started, count to 30 in your head and know that you probably won't get that high, but that mm-hmm. just anchors you in the experience of waiting quietly. Yep. Yep. Waiting quietly, um, not being in a hurry. So when we talked Mm -hmm. in that a couple chapters ago, maybe about, um, you know, if you're in a big hurry, if you have to, if you're on a time crunch, that may not be the best time to try to start using declarative language, right? You really want to be intentional when you're learning Mm -hmm. to change the way you talk and interact with your child to maybe do it when there isn't that pressure to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Um, I, I wish I had written down, I have, had so many examples, you know, okay, let's talk about this. Cause I do the, I, every week I have something to share about my son, but I really think I, I want to share the story. When we go through, um, starting on page 84, you talk about, um, aside from having, you know, more positive, um, exchanges with your child, you talk about, there are some of the smaller moments to watch for. So when we start mm-hmm. talking about progress, so again, I started numbering them. So the first thing that you said is you're going to start to notice that your child will visually reference more. They're going to be scanning the environment. They're going to be watching what other people are doing. They're going to be really taking in that information. Um, uh, and so you said, we need to be attuned that they're doing that right. And take note mm-hmm. that, Oh, by using declarative language, language like, oh, there's trash on the floor. Mm-hmm. Here's one example. So we have two little puppies, two little Shih Tzus, and they still like to tear things up if there's a Kleenex on the floor or whatever. And so um, we, I was walking uh, through the, the living room and the puppies had gotten something. And normally I would say to Aaron, oh, will you pick that trash up? Because, you know, they're, and instead I caught myself because I was so ready to just give them a directive. <laughs> and I said, oh no, the puppies tore up another tissue. And Aaron, who my son is autistic and he doesn't have great visual scanning. He's really kind of got that focused attention on whatever's right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I wanted to say no over there, like, follow my point. Cause I say that a lot to him because he's not good at scanning, but I like had to bite my tongue and I just stood there. And eventually he, cause he was looking at me for prompting. I now understand that he's actually, when I said, um, you know, Oh no, the puppies tore up another tissue. He looked at me to like, tell him what to do. And I didn't. And it was so hard. And then eventually he did, he started to look and he's like, Oh, I'll get it. I'm like, there you go. Right. Yay. So, so visual referencing, it's not eye contact. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with eye contact. I'm not forcing my son to look at me. I don't say eyes on me. Watch me when I'm talking, pay attention when I'm talking. That's that um, imperative language, right? Linda, that you talk yeah. so much about. And I want to jump in just to add something to your example yes. that you just did. So, so part of what changed in your relationship is you trusted him to figure it out. Oh. You let go of the control. And the, mm-hmm. and the need, not that you were controlling before. Oh, but, but I am. I am so type <laughs> A controlling. Like, I like to tell everybody what to do. I like yeah. to make sure. Yeah, yeah. But no, you, this- yeah, you let go so that he could assume that responsibility. And you trust, well, you trusted two things. Either that he could figure it out or that he would reference you for guidance if he couldn't. Yep. And do you remember so, how I think it was last week I told you that instead of me saying, put your laundry away, which I've been doing every week for his mm-hmm. entire life, that um, I just said, your laundry's in the basket. And I kind of walked away. And next time I came in the living room, it was put away. Mm-hmm. This week, I didn't even have to say that. The laundry was sitting there and I came back in the living room and he had put it away 100% independently. So Mike, you were talking about there how important mm-hmm. independence is. And so again, I'm just how coming awesome. more at this from the, the mom standpoint, not maybe the mm-hmm. SLP standpoint, but for me, it's been really exciting because my son is 17. And when Aaron was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, I mean, he still couldn't figure out how to dress himself. He would put his clothes on backwards. He still needed help motor planning, how to do it. And I remember thinking, my husband and I thinking to ourselves, he's never going to be independent. He's never going to be able to dress himself. He's never going to be able to shower himself. He's, you know, and at 17, I just have to tell you guys, he not only is, you know, made tremendous progress, but just by reading your book and making changes, somebody asked last week, is it too late? 
I've been using, you know, imperative, like, is it too late? And I'm like, mm-hmm. heck no, it's not too late. My son <laughs> is 17. And just since we started reading this book, he has become so much more independent in so many ways and he's trying new things. Um, so yeah, visually referencing the second one there, let's see on page 84. Even, uh, in, t- even in terms of visual referencing, that is such mm-hmm. an underrated skill. This is something, yes. you know, we talk about visual imagery, we talk about self-talk and these internal executive functions. And part of the reasons why it's so frustrating for parents because their teenagers aren't doing it is because we do it so quickly and so Ah, easily and so mm -hmm. naturally, right? And the ability to perceive your environment is such an underrated, crucial skill. There's no higher level executive functioning unless you're able to perceive your environment. There's no joint attention. There's no constructive language. There's no social executive functioning unless you're able to look up and perceive your environment and interact sure. and interact mm-hmm. with your environment. It is a mm-hmm. crucial foundational executive function skill that you know, it's something to start to think about. And a, a, a big thing that we just talked about before, you know, now we're getting into sort of some of the micro progress, but the, the macro, you know, we were talking about going from power struggles to positive, supportive, understanding interactions with your child. And this is something I see all the time at my practice is parents that are, you know, starting to have just consistent negative experiences with their teenage son or daughter. And this is something that all, all the parents that are part of Chapter Chat can start to think about is start to think, am I having more positive conversations or more negative conversations? In some cases, it really is, you know, at, for teenagers, it could be like 99% negative, 99% directives, fighting, Mom, you don't get it. Dad, you don't get it. You're so mean. Other parents are laid back. Well, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> the, all, all the stuff that I hear all the time is, the, you know, par- all you parents out there that are listening, think, am I having constant negative interactions with my child? And okay, so that's the problem. What's the solution? What's something that I can start to integrate in my daily life to decrease that negativity and have mm-hmm. more positive interactions? It has to be something simple. It has to be something natural. And that's what I love so much about declarative language. And it's yep. not, it's not a huge lifestyle change. You're literally just changing the language to have more positive uh, conversations and honestly, more reciprocity, mm-hmm. more equal of a relationship mm-hmm. between parent and teenager. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So the first um, uh, way we can measure progress is there's an increase in visual referencing, uh, your child scanning the environment uh, more. They're looking for needed information so that they can. The second thing that I got from this chapter as a, a moment to watch for is they're better at problem solving. So, right, not only are they now identifying, ooh, there's laundry in the basket, or ooh, there's trash on the ground, or ooh, I think it's really, really cold outside, right, and I have to go wait for the bus outside. Uh, now what we want to start doing is seeing them them problem solve. And so um, I, I like this where you say it's in bold on page 85. Your child is solving more problems because you are mindfully giving them more opportunities to do so. Talk there to us go. about yeah. that, Linda. Talk well, to us about that. Well, you just that. gave that wonderful example with Aaron, with his laundry, with um, whatever was on the floor. But you're just commenting on the problem that you see, but you're not jumping in to fix it. You're fading back, as Mike Mm -hmm. said, um, and giving that space for the individual to think, to have that aha moment or that discovery on their own, and then execute an action plan that makes sense, which they pull from their episodic memory. Yes. And, yeah. and how good is it for self-esteem? Let's talk mm-hmm. about this for a minute. You know, I yeah. think about, about mental health and just mm-hmm. about like self-worth. And if somebody is always telling you what to do, put your laundry away, do your homework, yeah. brush your teeth, you know, just constantly, constantly, constantly on you. Um, it, it, I would think that, that the child would start to presume that I'm incompetent, that I need mm-hmm. somebody to constantly direct me. I have no ability to make decisions. So tell, what do you think about that, Linda? Do you think this plays into self-esteem at all? Yeah, absolutely because what you're doing along the way is creating competent roles for kids. Mm. And that's where that self-esteem comes from. Um, And there'll be much, much more about that in co-regulation handbook. The theme of it is a lot of it is just creating competent roles and thinking about how to do that. Um, But yeah, the more, the more kids feel competent and have active roles in their varied experiences, um, the more their self-esteem grows because they feel 
they feel it, you know, they feel empowered and they also feel it from you that you, again, I know I said this, but that you trust that they can handle it. You're transferring responsibility to them because you know they can handle it. Look at Linda. So. Look at Linda talking about varied experiences. <laughs> I know that was really wonderful. I love it. That's I love it too. Yeah. One of the the things that I just jotted down because I've been saying this for years is that confidence breeds competence. Mm-hmm. There you and go. the thing about that is, if you're conf- if if you're if you're competent and you do something well, it makes you more confident. And the thing is, when you're more confident, you're willing to take a risk, which yep. means you're willing to step outside your comfort zone and do something different. Try a piece of cake that you've never tried before. Or, you know, um, yeah. go uh, do, um, I don't know, you know, an activity, horseback riding, something you've never done before, whatever it mm-hmm. is. So I love that idea that you talk about competent, what do you say, creating competent roles for kids? Because mm-hmm. competence breeds or builds confidence. Yep. And that's what we want. We want yep. our children mm-hmm. to be confident in who they are. We also want them, and you talk about this so well in this book, um, that we also, and my gosh, we've talked about this over and over in the other books we've read um, for the book club, is that we need kids to understand it's okay to fail, that it's okay yep. to make a mistake, that just because you did something wrong or you spilled or you did a problem incorrectly in math or whatever, it doesn't make you less worthy, right? That it doesn't yep. somehow demean you so that you don't have to be perfect. We're not looking for, nobody can be perfect, but what we want you to be able to do is if you do make a mistake is to be able to problem solve how to fix it or how to, you know, uh, prevent it from happening again next time. So love so, so I, I refer to it as the confidence competence loop. Yeah, it's a it whole, is a loop, it's, isn't Yeah, it? it's a whole loop of confidence, competence, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And we talk about declarative language increasing self-confidence. How about declarative language increasing quality of life overall? You know, we're, so. we're, we're talking about someone who's able to be more independent. We're talking about improving parent-child relationships. Uh, we're yeah. talking about building competence. The, this small little change of language. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my, my, the entire goal of my career is to teach people about the executive function language connection, how they're all connected. It's all language and it's all executive functioning. They're, cor- they're heavily correlated. Mm-hmm. And when we change the way we use language to, you know, declarative language has, has this amazing way to trigger nonverbal working memory in the visual imagery system. Uh, in all the presentations I do, I always, uh, you know, when I get to the point where I talk about checklists don't work. You can, <laughs> you can make checklists for your child, brush your teeth, make your lunch, make mm-hmm. your breakfast, make, make your bed, uh, brush, do, do all these things, mm-hmm. clean up. You've written checklist, it's not working because it's starting with verbal working memory. It's starting with verbal where they read it, they say it to themselves, mm-hmm. and then they end up getting distracted right away. When we use real world pictures, using a picture of a child brushing his teeth, take a picture of him doing it, print it out, laminate it, instead of writing it down, brush your teeth, because it sparks nonverbal working memory. It sparks visual imagery. And that's exactly what declarative language does, okay. is, it, is it externalizes the adult's fully developed frontal lobe and their visual imagery system and what they're wondering and what they're visualizing externalizes it so the child's gaining perspective-taking skills, gaining reciprocity, thinking mm-hmm. about someone else's thinking and thinking, okay, I can now see the world through their lens. How can I change my environment right. in a co-regulated way? Right. And mm-hmm. I, what I love is that, and, and again, you brought this up multiple times, Linda, this whole idea of, um, oh, wow, I just lost it. Uh, <laughs> where was I going? Oh, my word. What, what were you talking about, Mike? Oh, I hate when that happens. Um, oh, episodic memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that it, it really capitalizes on that. So that if it's a new experience for your child and declarative language isn't working because they don't have any episodic memory, you know, to, to really go back to, like I've never been in this situation before, that that's when, how, how do you handle that, Linda? Because I know you gave us some examples of like giving them kind of hints, but without actually telling them what to do. Can you, is, can you still yeah. use declarative language? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just scaffolding. It's just getting more precise yeah. in your mm-hmm. declarative comments. So you might start faded back. I wonder if you have homework, but then when the child is stuck or uncertain, but you created that safe environment for them to be vulnerable because mm-hmm. you've been using declarative language, they reference you for guidance. And then you guide them with a comment such as, well, let's check your agenda notebook or let's check Mm -hmm. your assignment notebook because I remember that's where 
you usually write down your assignments. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're helping them pull their memories in the moment as a team in a guiding supportive way. Um, So the declarative language helps them form those thought processes, but the Mm -hmm. also really important part is that the child is safe to not know something or safe to be vulnerable so that they can look to you for guidance in the moment to then form that that memory. Remember when you had like a little on Mm -hmm. one of the pages, a list of how, what words you can use. And that's when you can say, maybe we can, or let's, or Mm -hmm. instead of you need to figure out if you have homework, you need to see how how that becomes very demanding and and it's got a Mm -hmm. negative undertone instead of maybe, or or you had one example that said, well, last time you forgot your homework, I I think we emailed your teacher to ask Mm -hmm. her, you know what I mean? So it's this whole idea of let's remember back when this happened last time. But I love the use of that, that language of it's not you pointing the finger saying you need to do this. You need to take care of it. It's your homework. But when you allow them that space to be vulnerable and to know that you don't always have to know everything that we can solve this or work on this problem together. Yeah. And then the other piece, just in terms of creating that environment with the kids is it's not just about the language and the words you use it's about the intention that you bring Mm. and the tone that you bring so that you're always generous and giving and inviting versus demanding because I know Carrie you do a really good declarative statement that's imperative right Uh uh (laughs) uh-huh I wonder if you have homework yeah Uh yeah yeah you can do it like in a in a in a snide way in a you know so Mm -hmm. the intention that's really important to remember that you can't just put I wonder in front of everything and go well I use declarative language and it doesn't work you know so it's it's about your intention and your tone and again if you're stressed in the moment and if you're in a hurry and you just want your kid to do something, it's going to be really tough to mm-hmm. buy into declarative language. And so um, the third and that's, thing, though, oh, that's yeah. when we'll pull in co-regulation because yeah. that's yeah. the other I tool in wait. my back pocket. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I can't, and I haven't even cheated. I haven't even, because I'm so swamped, I haven't even had time, but um, I love it because this is my favorite mm-hmm. thing. I'm a book fanatic, but it's a brand new book. I haven't oh, even yeah. highlighted oh, yeah. in it. I'm super excited always, because I'm this like one, smell, I'm always smelling books. I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> I know. This one um, is loved this one goes yeah. with, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to get another copy because I take it everywhere I go now and um I would think Linda that the sales of your book have increased slightly since we yeah, started doing this <laughs> totally it's been because, great to see and exciting yes yeah. I am mm-hmm. I am all about this so and also okay. and, and also one thing we were talking about episodic memory so in Linda's example of uh, I'm wondering if you have homework let's check your agenda together that's mm-hmm. using declarative language appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then what you're doing in that moment is forming an episode. And, and Linda had mentioned mm-hmm. the kid that the kid then feels safe mm-hmm. to, you know, to look through his agenda, doesn't feel pressured. It's not an, not imperative. It's not a, it's not a directive statement. So the kid is feels safe looking at his agenda, looking to see if he has homework, not pressured by the parent. So you're creating a positive episodic memory in that child's brain in that moment of them independently seeing if they have homework looking through through their agenda as opposed to carrie's example of yelling at the child mm-hmm. do you do you have homework check the agenda where they're under pressure fight flight freeze is going off they right. don't want to do it they want to get it done as fast as possible you're creating mm-hmm. a positive episodic a memory yeah, yeah you're creating it in their mind so tomorrow they, they're starting to associate checking homework. They're starting to associate the agenda with positive, good feeling, episodic memory. Right, right. Because, yeah, the last thing we want mm-hmm. is for every time the kid comes home from school, do you have homework? Because that's what happens so often. And so now the kid is, like, dreading coming home because he knows he's just spent eight hours at school. And now he has to come home and he has to do his mm-hmm. homework, right? You know, and so there becomes this, this um, cycle of negativity. And so, yeah, I... Boy, I could talk a lot. We won't get into it right now, but I I really think it is from a parenting perspective, important to let kids have some recovery time after school, like doing homework right after school is just in general, so hard for Mm -hmm. some kids. They need a break. They need to self, you know, they need to regulate themselves. They need play-based movement. They need something, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's a, that's a different topic. Yeah. Can I answer Eileen's question quickly? So Eileen, you were just wondering, um, you were wondering what a wonder statement is. That's not declarative. So when I think of declarative language, it's really just declarative communication and it's inviting and guiding and positive. So if you were to use an I wonder statement in a quizzing demanding way, then it um, defeats the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. 
So Carrie, you do, will you do it again? And I wonder that's, um, it might be a declarative uh -huh, statement uh -huh. technically, but it doesn't get at what we're going for. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you put your laundry away yet, <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I, I'm really good at being sorry. right. So yeah. yeah, but it's that whole idea of I'm clearly still in charge. I'm clearly upset with your, it, what I'm saying basically is you clearly haven't done it yet. I wonder mm -hmm. if you have homework. I wonder if you're going to get it done before we have dinner. So, you know, just because you say, I wonder, it's not inviting, right? It's not. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So if you're brand new and, and haven't read any of the book, declarative language is not putting pressure on the child to have to answer a question or to act. There's no right or wrong, wrong mm -hmm. uh, response that's required. What we tend to do as adults is use a lot of imperative language, like, um, you know, asking questions, uh, even with little kids, you know, um, what color is it? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Did you did you find your your book for the library? Uh, you know, whatever it is, it's just constant asking questions and it's giving commands hurry up get your shoes on her you know um uh, I you need you have to put on your your boots and your gloves today it's really cold outside so it's telling the child what to do and as we know a lot of times when we use that imperative language our kids shut down because they're like why are you screaming at me why are you telling me what to do and so what Linda talks about in this book is the idea of just using a different type of language to invite children to solve their own problems instead of us constantly creating this prompt dependency um, for an adult to always be telling them what to do. Would you guys agree that initiation, being able to initiate is a really important life skill? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And initiating <laughs> a non-preferred task. Yeah. That's, that's, that's huge. And yeah. we, talk, we talk so much about procrastination, laziness, distracted, delayed gratification. It's mm -hmm. a lot of it is a lot of it is transition from a preferred task to a non-preferred task sure, because, sure. you know, you can't initiate a non-preferred task unless you're able to visualize the end result and plan backwards, which mm -hmm. we as adults do instantly, but kids right. can't do it. They see this non-preferred task as this mountain that's going to take hours and be too hard and too difficult mm -hmm. and it's going to expose their flaws and frustrate them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, a, a little bit of declarative language, a little bit of confidence, competence, a little bit right. of the, gro the growth mindset could really come goes a long way. Yep. Yeah, goes and I was way. even thinking in terms of communication, um, yeah. just initiating communication is so important. Be, be yeah. Becoming a spontaneous communicator yes. versus yeah. a prompted communicator. Because I will yeah. say as, as speech language pathologists, we see this a lot. Um, kids who have been therapized, right? Kids who really just sit there and wait for an adult, often, you know, a speech therapist to tell them what to do, or this is what we're going to practice mm -hmm. today, or this is what we're going to talk about in our social skills group. You know, this whole idea of, I just sit and wait for someone to tell me, teachers tell yep. me what to do. My parents tell me what mm -hmm. chores to do. My speech therapist tells me what to, to talk about. So I think initiation is just a, a, a huge uh, component of independence, you know, and being mm -hmm. able to have relationships uh, requires you to be able to to initiate an yep. interaction with another mm -hmm. human being and, and, yeah. so. and, and, and how many and how many teens with executive function challenges are stuck in this fixed mindset habit of taking the path of least resistance mm. it's yeah. a lot it's a lot easier at lunch to sit by yourself and play on your phone right. it's a lot or easier. put your earbuds in yeah put your yeah it's mm -hmm. a lot easier mm -hmm. to go home from school and instead of texting a friend hey do you want to go out or and it's a lot easier to sit on your Xbox and play Fortnite or go to right. or mm -hmm. escape into the Minecraft mm -hmm. world or escape into mm -hmm. a phone. You know, th this is this is what we're seeing now and we're seeing more and more of it since the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, let's get back to our chapter here. So the third thing on page 85 that uh, is a way to kind of recognize progress as you are using more and more declarative language is that you might see your child more actively repair communication breakdowns. Talk to us about this, Linda, because wow. I really love this. Mm -hmm. So kind of like with problem solving, you're not getting in there too quickly and doing the work for the child. You might just be commenting on what you see, which maybe is, oh, I think so-and-so said something, but I don't think you heard them. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're giving space for the child to do that work. You're not jumping in to um, repair a misunderstanding, to repeat mm -hmm. what was said. You're just creating that space for the child to get in there and do that messy, messy work all by themselves. Yep. <laughs> and have yep. trust that they can do it. You know, um, repairing communication breakdowns is 
communicative problem solving. You know, you, you just have to navigate, you have to be flexible, you have to take the perspective of the other person, you have to modify, you have to repeat. There's so many things that you have to do in the moment on your feet to get your message across, you have to persist. Mm -hmm. And if we never let the child experience that messiness or that dynamic aspect of communication, then they're not going to be independent or spontaneous yeah. uh, communicators. Yeah. yeah, one thing that, um, so my son, Aaron, one thing that he has really started doing pretty recently, and I really liken it to self-advocacy, but when we're in, my son is very verbal and he, his expressive language is much higher than his understanding of language. I mean, he uses a lot of words that he doesn't necessarily understand what they mean, but something he's been doing is just stopping in the middle of a conversation and saying, what does that mean? Or what did you mean by that? See, that's repairing a communication breakdown. Mm -hmm. And for him that's, to just be initiating yeah, that, I'm self-advocacy. Oh, yeah. I'm blown away by yeah. his ability to do that. And, and yeah. again, I think back to when he was five, six, 10 years old. And I thought, He's never going to, you know, be able to, um, you know, do things independently or I'm always going to have to be his voice because it was so hard for mm -hmm. me to be apart from him because I thought nobody understands what he wants. I'm the only one who knows what he wants, what he needs, how he feels in the moment. And isn't it beautiful that he now is able to, you know, self-advocate mm -hmm. and say, I yeah. didn't understand that. What does that yeah. word mean? And it's just it's it's beautiful. So I, I very much appreciate that. Yeah. And um, even just to add to that, you know, so if at first repairing a communication breakdown is hard, it's not that you can't help them, but it's that you're going to guide and add perspective and add information using declarative mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. So maybe the child attempts a repair it did, and it didn't work, then I might guide by saying, you know, it might it might help if you get a little closer to your buddy and then he'll be able to hear you better. Oh, or okay. I wonder if you could call his name first and then he might hear you. Mm -hmm. So, but when, once you're kind of in the trenches, then you can help the child learn additional strategies for repair or how mm -hmm. to modify their communicative attempt so that they are successful or persist. You know, it's all about persisting too. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, the next thing on page 85 I love then is you say, your child um, may be better able to handle setbacks and disappointments because you have become better at helping them access their episodic men memory to see the big picture over time. Isn't that go. what huge. we all... Huge. Yeah. Huge. It's resilience. Yeah. That we're even, talking about resilience. Yeah. I think exact, about, exactly what it is. Um, totally. I think about the kids who say, oh, I never win or I never oh. get to go first or it never yep. is my turn. Um, but what you learn over time is to pull those memories. Well, I know it feels like it feels like you never win, but I remember you actually won the last round that we played. Oh, or yeah. I remember you won yesterday. Or you're just able to use declarative language to help them uh -huh. pull those memories of success, um, yeah. which, which they just can't necessarily feel just in the moment. Yeah. And even just to build future mm -hmm. thinking skills that, you know, yeah. th this game I lost today is not going to be the last time I play this game. I can play again tomorrow mm -hmm. and the next day yeah. or when I come back to the office next week. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. It's really, it's, it's mental flexibility. It's resiliency. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Every single thing that we highlighted here in terms of chapter 13, how to recognize progress, Number one, visually referencing. Number two, problem solving. Mm -hmm. Number three, repair communication, yep. metacognition. Sure. Number, number four, yeah. resilience. It's all executive functioning. It's all yep. independence. It's all them being able to do things that they once just naturally, due to that innate fight flight, had adults do for them. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell a funny story? That, oh, please do. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but it was funny to me. So, um, Carrie, I know you love board games and yes. we just got a fellow, uh, you know, one of my nice. favorite games from when I was a kid. A kid, yeah. And I think, I think playing... you posted about it. I saw. Yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. did. I, I love that game. And it's good for resilience. The game can turn quickly. Very you know, quickly. Yeah. Just it's like not, the Chiefs game yeah. last night. <laughs> there you <laughs> right. go. <laughs> um, and it's not such a long game that it's hard to get into it and finish right. and try again. So we were playing and I kept, um, I don't, I don't go easy on my kids because they're too good now. I have to up my game to stay mm -hmm. ahead of it a little bit. Uh -huh. And awesome. I kept, and I kept beating um, my son Desmond, who's my nine-year-old who loves checkers. Mm -hmm. And my husband said to him, you know, it might be a good idea to read the tips and in the instruction man manual. And Desmond's like, no, I don't want to. And I just kept beating him. And then I played him the other day and he 
he totally won. And he's like, I read the tips. And I was like, oh, you took dad's advice. That's there cool. you go. Oh, I love I'm like, it. Oh, I got to up my game now. I better go refresh myself. Yeah, you better re read the tips. I love it. Yeah, yeah that is, you know, but, I think we, I probably have done one in the past, but I think it'd be kind of neat to maybe make a list. Maybe, maybe we could do a joint, joint post on games that really do build um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of problem solving, like executive function skills that are simple games, not yeah. like complex, like that take four hours, but like Othello and checkers. And, you know, some of those, I think battleship is a good one. Yep. You know, you yeah. have to stay persistent. You have to focus. So yeah, there are, I know board games are not cool anymore. And I know everybody <laughs> just wants to play video games, but I'm telling you as a parent, if you really want to um, help your child develop some of these higher level thinking skills, higher level executive mm -hmm. function skills, board games and card games are, we just need to get back to the basics. I, you want to yeah. say something, don't you, Mike? I can see it. <laughs> well, well, first I wanted to say uh, the, uh, the game Mankela you taught me about. Yep. Mankela, so that's a great one. Phenomenal. Yep. Yes. And then yes. second, I, I don't know if you guys play Wordle every day. Oh, what is that? Yeah. I don't. Oh, 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 I, I just started it? last week. Okay, your 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 addiction has officially begun. Knock yeah, it okay. down. I just realized I haven't done it, it yet. So, today, so no spoilers. You, so don't I've been it. doing it with. I do it paired with my students and in shared social groups. It's a nice. great. It's a great social game. Is and it, an it, app? it is. What is it? Oh, yeah. it you, you just go to Google, type in Wordle. Oh. And okay. it's it's the very first thing that comes up. So basically, it's a puzzle where it, you have to guess a five-letter word. Oh. So like, say for, say, for example, the first word I say is drink. Okay. And then if D is in the right position, the word starts with D, the D will be green. So you know okay. it's, it's in the right position. But okay. if, I, if I pick the correct letter, but in the wrong position, it'll be yellow. Well, so that's you, like that game. Um, Mastermind. Mastermind yeah. Yeah. with letters. But with right. letters. But it, it's, it, totally. it is... It is taking the world by storm. It is so addicting. Mm -hmm. I do it every morning. Okay. It's so much fun. Well, now so I'm going to have to do it. But Mastermind is another great Mastermind's game. Mastermind's amazing. I, mean, all, I, all I, mm -hmm. I just yep. love yeah. Mastermind. Yep. Oh, because you have to have mental flexibility for that, yep. right? You yeah. have to be able to, oh, and guys. even And tonight, just, just tonight with some of my students, I was doing tw uh, 21 questions where, oh, you, just, where you, just, you just think of something. Like at one point I thought about like a, uh, like a car tire or whatever. Okay, okay. And they just ask questions over and over and they and they get so frustrated and so annoyed, like, oh, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, just just keep going, keep going. Right, and and right. They, they eventually get it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Okay. Um, let's see here. So then on page, oh wait, no, I gotta turn the page. Where are we? So we did what well, yeah, Linda, talk to us though a little bit about at the bottom of page 85, when you talk about when they have when they're overwhelmed when things maybe aren't quite going you know maybe they do have um a, a little bit of a meltdown or they're disappointed um and you talk about how important it is to kind of be patient in that in that moment mm -hmm. yeah um i think it's just knowing that we're not going to be here forever we might have to give kids a little bit of space to re-regulate on their own mm -hmm. um and then when it's a good yep. time to share information, you can help them pull that episodic mm -hmm. memory, but also plan ahead. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. Said, like, like this small moment in time isn't everything, yep. um, but kids yeah. can't, can't see the big picture when they're feeling that pain in the moment. Sure. Yep. sure. Yeah. Very and good. I, and I, I, I applaud you, Linda, for saying it and for saying it that way. Mm -hmm. That's, it's such a tough thing to bring up. You know, but that's truly what it's all about is, yeah. you know, what independent skills, how prompt dependent, what level of codependency is there? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, are, are we focused solely on these academic skills and getting an IEP filled with academic accommodations? And are we so focused on grades and homework, mm -hmm. but we never focused on the ability to form relationships mm -hmm. and, and to be flexible and to mentally play and mentally problem solve and mm -hmm. to be, to be resilient and to perceive your environment, those sorts of things. Right. But that, that's really what it's all about is, you know, parents are not around forever. And we yeah. need to start focusing on the skills right. that our uh, son, our, our children are going to need lifelong. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the next thing on page 86, and how awesome is this? You'll notice that uh, your child is making progress when they start to um, share and express 
um, more spontaneously with you, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they share memories. Maybe you're not having to mm -hmm. pepper them with questions like, what'd you do at school today? Did you learn anything new? How'd that quiz go? Da, da, da. You see how I'm just constantly asking questions. But when your child starts to open up and just starts sharing information with you. Um, mm -hmm. Today, my son had an orthodontist appointment. And the fact that Aaron was even able to tolerate braces, like, blew my, my mind completely. But he's in his second year of having braces. So when we go to the orthodontist every four to six weeks, I just wait in the waiting room. And I let Aaron. I never thought I would be able to do that. But I just let Aaron go back. And so she comes out, we make the next appointment. If there's something, you know, she really needs to tell me, she will. And then as we're walking to the car, usually I say, so what'd they say? Are you cleaning your teeth good enough? You know, and I really start. And today we walked out and he said, mom, um, she said my teeth look good. And next time, um, oh, and um, she said my braces will be off before Allie's wedding um, on June 9th in 2023. He actually asked her if his braces wow. could be off before the wedding. That is over a year away, you guys. And he was thinking about the future and he thought to ask her wow. if his braces would be off by then. And he shared with me, she said um, that she thinks they'll be off, but she didn't know what month, but not in June. They'll be gone by June. So, I mean, it was just wow. so neat. To, and to have him be able to form these sentences to convey all this to me, it was, it was, it was. And that beautiful. cognitive verb talking about another person's thoughts about the yes. future. She thinks that. She thinks that I, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you guys. Do you remember this, a month ago, you couldn't remember if Aaron used cognitive verbs. I, Sounds like I, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> I, I know people are going to be like, Carrie, just making this stuff up. I swear to you, I don't have the time mm -hmm. to make this stuff up. Like these are real life examples. This was literally just today. Um, it's, it's, it's so neat. And again, I'm still working on using declarative language, but I feel like I'm getting more intentional and better at, for me, it's the pause. It's the, mm -hmm. okay, take a breath. Don't tell him right now. Give him a <laughs> moment to problem solve, you know, mm -hmm. and help him observe. So it's, it, it works, you guys. I promise <laughs> you, um, it really does. Um, I love this. I mean, on page 86, what I have underlined down at the bottom, you support them as you consider what's to come rather than get stuck on wanting a specific answer in the present. You let go of your need for an immediate answer. Isn't that the truth? That's what so much of this yeah. is. Well, you know what? It's like we're, we need to delay gratification as the parents, as the oh. grownups, yep. right? Yep. How huge is that, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so grown-ups don't want to delay gratification. No, either, we want it we now. I want you to comply. That's exactly what it is. Right now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Whoa, that just kind of rocked my world. You're right. You're right. Because I am a fast talking, fast moving, like everything I do is fast. And I, mm -hmm. I don't ever think people move fast enough, you know? And so for me, this has been, I will say a real challenge because um, it's so much easier to just tell your child what to do, right? This is what mm -hmm. I need you to do. It's been a long day. I just want you to do X, Y, and Z. So this is powerful. So my ability to delay gratification. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Um, let me see here. What else do you have, Mike, on this chapter? Anything else you want to you wanna pull out before we move into the next one? Yeah. I, you know, uh, on page 87, your child is feeling more comfortable with others' opinions in oh. the moment. You know, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is exactly it. You know, chapter 13 is all about really pinpointing the individual executive function skills that declarative language can strengthen. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we're talking about the micro right now, but the macro is a positive relationship between parent and child because mm -hmm. there's not as much directive mm -hmm. language, not as much pressure, not as much, much of a fight flight response. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the importance of varied experiences, but how about the importance of positive interpersonal relationships? Yeah. And who, yeah. Better, who better to have a positive mm -hmm. relationship with than with your own parents? If you have Absolutely. a and someone that you can like, I, I was just talking to one of my uh, one of, uh, fellow SLP uh, today about uh, one of the students we work with who's, who made a few bad mistakes recently and has kind of gone behind his parents' back and has been sneaky and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. If there was more of a communicative relationship and a positive relationship, he would have been able to feel comfortable going to his mom and saying, hey, I found that I found, yeah. I, I, I mm -hmm. or, or even before he screwed up to mm -hmm. go and say, hey, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. What do you think? Kind mm -hmm. of thing. So declarative language, number one, repairs the relationship because it repairs the communication breakdown mm -hmm. and, and really shares executive functioning. And then we're really, you know, we're giving them the skills they need for when the parents are not available. 
Yeah. I think the thing, and I did, I had two lines because I thought this was what was important on page 87. Tell me that this isn't what everybody in this country needs to do. Okay. We're now more capable of sharing space with someone who views the world or a situation differently. How much do we as human beings need to work on that? The ability to say that we can, we can have different opinions or different viewpoints on something and we don't have to hate each other because of it right we don't have to be polar opposite ends where we either agree on a hundred percent of things or um we can't be friends right mm -hmm. so i love that idea that it uh, that perspective taking and understanding that other people think differently other people have different values have different opinions and guess what it's okay right mm -hmm. we are all allowed to have our opinion yeah powerful yeah. Okay, Linda, tell us about uh, chapter 14. Well, what do you think about page 88? That little, do you oh. recommend that parents use that? You know, they, yeah, so it's, um, it's on the website. People okay. can download it. So you can print it out at the very beginning before you start reading the book. And those uh -huh. are just ideas of areas that you might see progress that we all yeah. just talked about. And it's a progress um, tracking sheet for those yeah. of you who don't have the book. So you just go to declarativelanguage.com. Is that right, Linda? Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, declarativelanguage.com. Mm -hmm. yeah, and there are and, um, several handouts on there that they mm -hmm. can print from the yeah, book, aren't there? There's practice sheets and then that and then that progress tracking sheet they can download. And this yeah. seems like a perfect time. Is your class filled up already? No, we still have a few spots. So tell us real quickly yeah. about that. The declarative language workshop, it's eight weeks. Um, it could be parents, teachers, therapists, anybody is welcome who wants to learn and, and just be in a supportive setting. Um, and we alternate weeks between just sharing formal content and then reflection and review of homework and just parent stories. And it's all um, online, right? Yep, it's virtual. Yeah, it starts mm -hmm, March mm -hmm. 3rd. It's on Thursday nights at 7.30 Eastern time. Um, and really people, people get from it what they bring. So the sure. more experiences you want to bring or opportunities for us to help mm -hmm. you problem solve, the more you can take away that's individual. But at the same time, I think parents learn a lot from each other. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've had, we've had families who just are, the kids are different ages. Some might be teenagers, young adults, some mm -hmm. might be youngsters like age four or five. Okay. And I feel like everybody just takes away things from each other's stories That's in great. a really nice way because you have that thread of being a parent and yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, yeah. yeah, so definitely. How often do you do these? A couple times a year? Or more yeah, often yeah. I think we did one in the fall and we're doing one now. Okay, um, okay. So Very kind good. of when, when we gear up for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so that good. Is. That is. Well, Linda, what do you, how do you want to wrap up? Um, there was chapter mm -hmm. 14, which is uh, a pilot project that you did. Do you yeah. want to talk to us a little bit yeah. about that? And I can just, I don't have to talk. I don't have to go on and on because I feel yeah. like that is the um, probably most boring part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just, I think when I wrote Declarative Language Handbook, I had been talking about it since 2007 writing mm -hmm. about it since 2010 and and I just didn't know like what's going to make this stick because I, I'm talking a lot and sharing articles and um, mm -hmm. like is it research do I need to write a book what do I mm -hmm. need to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was just my attempt to start research just yeah. quantify progress yeah um, it was very really, interesting yeah and, it, and what was neat is the parents that joined me in that um, project were were parents of boys who were teenagers and or oh, okay. young adults. Mm -hmm. yep, so it yep. was kids who um, have been through the school system, like right. tried so many different things, but were still very prompt dependent. Sure. And, um, and their parents had not yet learned about declarative language. Isn't that fascinating? So, and they all yeah. just loved it. And it just kind of gave me food for thought to um, – to write a book. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. it. <laughs> and you did it. And it's beautiful. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do research. Right. I'm just going to get this out there. I love um, it. I love and, it. What and I then, liked... mm -hmm. Oh yeah, go ahead. No. And then just, that's kind of the model of the declarative language workshop where yeah, I kind of fine tuned it a little bit from there. On page 92, yeah. it kind of seems like that you have, you said over the seven sessions, when you did this mm -hmm. pilot project, you, you, these are the concepts that unfolded declarative versus imperative language. Using mm -hmm. declarative language to guide appraisal um, is something good enough. Uh, waiting quietly so kids can make discoveries, mm -hmm. communication, sharing experiences, being present, establishing a joint focus of attention, communication, breakdown, and repair 
pairs, communication, learning how to take perspective. I mean, I just love how you kind of say, this is what we did in research. And I'm guessing this is kind of what your course, you know, kind of lays yeah. the framework for, yeah. for what uh, parents, parents learn. And real quickly, Linda, tell us about RDI. Cause I know mm-hmm. you're, you're RDI, um, Certified, yeah. Certified, yeah. Right? Yep. So tell us yeah. about that. Relationship Development Intervention. It was started by or founded by Stephen Gutstein and Dr. Rochelle Shealy, Dr. Gutstein. Um, and basically, it's a parent coaching program to support okay. a child's just social success. And um, and it's always thinking about who that individual child is and where the parent can most certainly meet them where they're at and understand mm-hmm. their learning style. Um and just help develop dynamic communication, dynamic thinking skills um, in natural environments. So it's Is there always, any specific book on that that you would recommend? Uh, or yeah, well, the website is, there are books, but the website is rdiconnect.com. RDI Connect. Yep. Yeah. yeah, RDI is awesome. Yeah. It's very well, similar, very similar to uh, DIR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I would I, say there's overlap. For well, people sure. always yeah. ask me if I, if I am certified in any of that. And I'm always like, no, I just do what comes very innately natural to me, uh-huh. which is yep. to build relationships. Yep. I mean, I yep. always say yep. when people say, what's your therapy approach? I say it's relationship based learning. Yep. I'm not a behaviorist. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in managing behavior mm-hmm. or yep. trying to somehow shape behavior. I don't use reinforcers and people are always blown away. They're always like, you don't use like dangle the carrot and use a reinforcer. And I'm like, no, I really build the relationship. And mm-hmm. when you have a, a a firm foundation that's built on trust and mutual respect. And when it's a symmetrical relationship, instead of this asymmetrical relationship where I'm talking down at the child, Mm -hmm. which is imperative language, right? So it's this idea Mm -hmm. of I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to quiz you. That's when I feel like there is this, this, this disconnect, but when you level the playing field and you have a symmetrical interaction, a symmetrical mm-hmm. relationship, that's more about, um, reciprocity. I don't know, something changes. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I don't know. I've had parents over the years. I've been an SLP for 26 years and I'll have parents, teachers, sometimes say things like, Oh, you're so good with kids. And I think about that and I'm like, I mean, it, I, I don't know that I'm so good with relationships. You know what I mean? And with yeah. this idea of equality, yep. right? It's not mm-hmm. about me trying to somehow fix you or make you act a certain way. So mm-hmm. I feel like RDI would be something I would just probably like drool over because mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. like anything that's about relationship-based learning, yep. that's my cup of tea. That's yeah. Really- and so I'm, you know, I'm in Boston and it's so heavy ADA here. And um, when I came across RDI, I was like, yes, thank you. Like there's something that validates how I feel, what I think, how I want to do things. um, And I don't have to do what the behaviorist told me to do. Yeah. Or yep. the, the child is only yeah. allowed to do what you tell them to do because mm-hmm. the whole focus then is about building compliance. Yeah. And I always say, right. when you have challenging behavior and you have to mm-hmm. look at what is the purpose of this activity for the child or the student. And if the purpose is to build compliance, you need to rethink your goals because there yeah. is something majorly wrong when the whole emphasis is just do as I do, right? Do as I tell you to do in the moment, regardless. And so, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, yeah. We can and, have an yeah, interesting conversation. Think, yeah. Yeah. Like RDI is, was the first methodology that I felt gave me permission to do, to follow my heart, you yep. know, to do exactly yeah. what to felt treat right kids. to me. Yep. Well, and, and I find I yeah. parent the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. I am, I've always been respectful of my own children, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's hard for me when I'm like in TJ Maxx and there's this mom screaming and berating mm-hmm. her two-year-old and threatening her, Santa's never going to come because you're so naughty, you know? And it's so hard for me to not just go up and like take that baby and just run the other way because it's so hard when I hear people being very, I don't know, mean to kids, you know, it's just mm-hmm. something that is not, I don't know. I think the way we communicate with our children um, is, I don't know if there is anything more important. And I think respect, mutual respect, um, you mm-hmm. earn respect by being respectful. So when teenagers, right. Mike, I'm sure you hear this a lot, you know, when they're disrespectful of their parents, um, it, you know, are, are parents being disrespectful to their, you know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it goes both ways. So it's building that relationship. I'm huge on that. And, and, and also, I, I think it's great how you, how you mentioned how, you know, sometimes these things do culminate to people. You know, some people do need to go and get that training and get that mm-hmm. certification. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, it's just natural to them. Yeah. You know, so, sometimes, yeah. sometimes we do get a little heavy on, cert- oh, are you Wilson certified? Are you right. this certified? Right. Are you that mm-hmm. certified? Mm-hmm. You know, some people learn through experience. Some people mm-hmm. are 
practiced based learners, not, mm -hmm. you know, research based learners. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think, so I think it's great to sort of, you know, have respect for both sides sure, in terms absolutely. of, in terms of, you know, the, going and getting the certification, doing mm -hmm. the training, using your right. funding, using your time. Mm -hmm. And some, some people really don't need to do that. And mm -hmm. it doesn't really change the level of therapist you are. Yeah. And I think just, that's why I'm such a big proponent of parent coaching though, is when parents mm -hmm. say, I, I want to have a, a different, you know, interaction style. I want to have a different relationship with my child. I feel like it's very, um, you know, it's not working. I, I mean, parent coaching is just uh, so powerful when parents recognize, man, there's something I can do. I can talk differently and it's going to change the whole vibe of, you know, our conversation. So, um, yeah, Linda, chapter 15, you just kind of wrapped it up. Is there anything you want to, you want to mention before we, we wrap up here, um, and, yeah. and say goodbye to, to Clarice language <laughs> handbook? Maybe, maybe three things. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for giving declarative language um, yes. handbook this platform. It's been totally awesome. Hell yeah. I think yeah. number two, <laughs> in, I, I think in chapter 15, I just talk about my hopes and dreams for the future, which is yep. what we're doing right now, like just getting the word out there, helping people know there's a better way. Yep. Um, and number three, I, I've been inspired through this on my next book. So I thought maybe I'd tell you. <laughs> it's not, um, it's similar but different. So I want to do declarative language handbook 2.0 because mm. I, um, two things, like I just have more content and things mm -hmm. that I've thought about that I want to add in. Love and it. I also, um, really want to go through and change up my language to mm -hmm. be more, um, just respectful of the neurodiverse community. Yes. I love so it. So for example, like as I read through it now, I'm like, Oh, that's really a deficit way to phrase this and I know sure. um that I can do better and I yeah. wrote this I think in 2018 2019 okay. I learned a ton in 2020 me too me too um, and I I tried to reflect that my my change in thinking and co-regulation handbook yep. so I'm okay. hoping oh, I did better great. but it really makes me want to go back and just revamp declarative it. language handbook and do it right so, you have no idea I'm the same yeah. way because I have like my I mean the neurodiversity movement has changed everything just from <laughs> Oh, I mean, I could go on and on about that. So I already want to rewrite my books too. I mean, I've rewritten yeah. my handouts, a lot of them because I'm like, oh, during the pandemic, I've done a lot more listening than talking because I was yeah. forced to, because I wasn't <laughs> on the road and I learned so much. The mm -hmm. one thing I want to add, Linda, about chapter 15 and in the, on the page 99, you said when sharing information, you know, about declarative language, people often say it sounds great, but. So here comes the objection. There's always an objection, mm -hmm. right? It sounds great, but that will never work with my child or with my student. And I love Linda, how you actually say to, to that, I say that if you think it won't work, you're probably right. And so here's mm -hmm. what I wrote at the bottom of my page. You get what you look for. And that was I just your did post, a post the other day. Yes. Yeah. I just did a post the <laughs> other day. Um, and it was all about, it had eyes on it. So if you go to my Instagram page, you can see it, but you get what you look for. And if you're mm -hmm. looking for something to fail, guarantee you it will fail. If you are looking right. for negative behavior, you will only see negative behavior. So mm -hmm. part of what we need to be able to do when we're trying a new strategy as the adult, right, is we need to be able to say, I'm going to look for, and Linda, that's why that chapter 13 was so powerful. I'm going to mm -hmm. look for progress. I'm going to mm -hmm. look for these small moments of success and say, oh, it can work, right? I know it's not going to yeah. happen overnight. So I, I just, I really appreciated that. And the last thing on page 100, I've written it multiple <laughs> times in the book, but presume competence. Um, one of the things you say, declarative language is open and supportive and assumes. Anytime you see the word assume, the first thing I think of is, is presume competence and assume the student is doing the best that they can. So we need to stop when you have a child, especially a student or a child who has some challenging behaviors, stop assuming they're doing this just to irritate you. I mean, can you, mm -hmm. do you even recognize the amount of executive function skill that goes into planning ahead how I can irritate you the most? I mean, that mm -hmm. is a huge feat to be able mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. That that student is probably dysregulated in the moment, is in 
either ready to go into fight or flight mode or is already there. And so we need to presume competence and, and presume that I'm going to use declarative language and over time it will work, right? Instead of saying, mm -hmm. well, this isn't going to work mm -hmm. with this child because, you know, so I, yep. I, I actually, yeah, I appreciate it. I, Mike, what do you want to say um, to wrap up our amazing uh, book, Declarative Language Handbook? <laughs> I, think, I think this is great. We have officially added a new book to the chapter chat list. So we have finished you know, the fourth book. And, 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 it's, and it's great. You know, the, the, all the, the three first books were all so interrelated. It, it was almost mm -hmm. like the three chapters were constant. The, the three yes. authors were constantly quoting each other. Yeah, so it was. Do, it was so, crazy. So, so, oh, do it, so, you know, the first. Yeah, three, it was the, wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the first three books were, you know, big picture stuff. And yeah. now to do this. Uh, yeah. You know, this was almost like a real treat for the chapter chat community, which is mostly mm -hmm. parents, a lot of moms mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, giving them some tools they can start using right away. Right away. Uh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. because, you know, chapters, chapter chat started as this grassroots movement for massive change and massive, you know, reimagining education and reviving yep. education, those sorts of things. Uh, but, you know, doing something like this and, you know, giving tools uh, to build executive functioning at home at a time when parents really need it. I yep. think I think this was a real a real treat for the yes. for the chapter chat community. It was. So next Monday, co-regulation handbook. Let me see. Is chapter one? Are we gonna do one chapter? Looks like we're gonna do two chapters. What do you think, Mike? Let's do chapters one and two next week. Are you good with that? Let's do it. All right. Very good. Can't wait, Linda. Are you gonna be able to join awesome. us? I'll be there. You will. <laughs> I'll be here. Yeah. You have, you have no choice now. Yeah. Now you're just you're in. You're mm -hmm. in. Okay. Well, get get started on uh, declarative language handbook 2.0. I cannot I wait. Are you gonna make it a different color so we don't get confused? I don't know. I have an awesome graphic designer that did the covers, so I'll let him. You'll have play to play around with it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. So exciting. Awesome. All yeah. right. All right. Mike, so, good all right. to see you. Linda, good to see you. You guys have a wonderful week. Um, I'll see you next Monday. And go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Bye, they guys. Will, they, will, they will destroy the Bengals. Uh, we're hoping. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.